you surreptitiously recording us now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, hi everybody. We didn't mean what we said. <laughs> I meant the, these 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 guys were a couple of young guys complaining about social media. Pardon uh, yes. me. Well, you know. Oh, it's so it's such a drag. I know what's happening in the world so easy. Oh, it's so bad. I got it. I can put a picture. I can take a picture and put it on my phone and put it out to the world. Oh, I've got it so rough. Life sucks so bad. Oh my God! I'll have come wipe back, your ass now. Was life? Life was probably better when I didn't know everything going on in everyone's life. Yeah, but you, but you have an option always to do it now. No, yeah, I know, yeah, but yeah. it's a drug now. We've been we've opened that door, and it's and it's like you only post the most amazing shit that's going on in your life. I don't. I only post jokes. Well, you're, you're a rarity. <laughs> I, because yeah. I because I don't have a comedy stage to work on, so I use Facebook for that. Yeah. And I don't put pretty much anything else. Occasional pictures of my dog, but they're well, for, okay. For business. Yeah, no, that's that's all good. But just, there's a lot of and, people And I let there. people know where I'm playing, and obviously they don't give a shit because they never come. <laughs> so I don't even know why I bother with that. I know, well, I, I know, I know, I know. When I get more than a hundred likes, I really feel good about myself. Well, you know, the less you use it, the uh, the less they they uh, you know help you, basically. Yeah, right. You, know, you have so, more of a mindset of and yourself. And that's why that's why it's become such a thing where everybody wants needs to feel so engaged in it because they like everybody's programmed themselves to feel like they have to engage in it because the more engaged they are, the more spread their little network. You know that. Yeah. The larger their network. Well, I think I think I uh, while we're spreading networks here, and, and I love that idea. Uh, it sounds sort of like sex in a way, but um, I want to let everybody know who they're listening to because, of course, oh, the, yeah, the guy with the, the guy with the funny accents, Troy. Yeah. We know that <laughs> I'm he's awesome. right now. He's drinking vintage water to go with his big bear persona, and uh, I think actually some bear peed in it. But. Um, <laughs> And we have as a guest tonight, we're so lucky to have Kyle D'Andrea here sitting here with us. Thanks, guys. And he's good a good friend here. of ours and a great guitar player and a man the, who knows more about this shit than we need, we we need do, to find we out need. about. And the, and, and the better half. Of to, Danielle D'Andrea. Danielle. I don't know about the better half, but there you go. <laughs> well, I'm Thanks, saying buddy. that because she's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> but we love Danny. We love you, Danny. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so basically, welcome to Guitar Wake. I, I hope you feel... It's already been a massive letdown. Yeah, you know, feel, I'm sure it's been a drag for you, but yeah, no. it, you know, it'll be over soon. <laughs> yeah, okay. And... But we're not going to let you scared. edit it. What do you so so? If you say something, it's going to the world. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, I'll watch my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't. <laughs> we don't edit it. Yeah. yeah. I probably should edit the shit I said at the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Fucking Facebook. Yeah. You, oh. you guys are such complainers, <laughs> man. Right. I can't believe it. Makes right. you complain about vaping or something. Uh, you know? yeah. It's stupid. I complain about Facebook, but I'm on it. But I'm just cruising through it and just. Mm-hmm astounded at what i'm watching but i'm yet i'm watching so oh, yeah. who's who's got the problem yeah really <laughs> right i've got a problem it's amazing but, how they get you though i mean every time they're like oh i i, I gotta see if uh, you know so and so is playing tonight or whatever and next thing i know i've lost 15 minutes of my life just yeah <laughs> getting lost in, in i think that's i think that's the app we need to create and of course here i am giving a mi- another million dollar i've go. had i've had two million dollar ideas this week this yeah, is the second one. What was the first one? Okay. Well, do you want? Where do you want? Do you want the first one or the second one? We're at the second one. All right, now, go so. to the second one. An app where it times you, so you like you you can set. They've like, already got it. When you go on Facebook, like seven minutes, boom, and it oh, just yeah, shows yeah, the yeah. app. I think they've already Apple's got already it. created that. Yeah, they've already got it. Called Scream Time. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good idea, right? It's, oh, it's well, and they well, probably made a million dollars. Oh yeah. And yeah. I didn't know it was there, so I it can was still get idea. credit. I can get credit for the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, okay. the first circles, idea. Sure. The first idea was I was up in San Francisco at a uh, really cool uh, party for a woman named Pearl Wong, who was this amazing character in San Francisco. You guys know him from Pearl Pearl Wong. Pearl Wong. And. Uh, we, I first met her when I was like a kid, you know, playing gigs like in my teens and mm-hmm. high school. And she ran a Chinese restaurant. And for some, somehow, in, in Chinatown. No, 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 no. <laughs> this could be a joke, though. I, I can tell you a joke that starts this way. But, uh, and, and, and this was like, can you imagine? I mean, I'm in high school and playing gigs with all these great jazz musicians. And we go there afterwards to eat, you know, to have some. 
and she would serve alcohol like there was no like curfew it didn't matter and and all the comedians and all the strippers from broadway and all the actors everybody hung there after their gigs it was just this amazing hang and it was like we were you know it was chinatown and just like the cops didn't go there and so it was just a great hang and she loved us hanging around so much so she started a little after hours club in her basement and everybody in town would come and play there and she'd serve alcohol till six in the morning no one ever messed with her she served them food it was great the restaurant she closed the restaurant and then she opened uh a place right in north beach you know right on like a, the corner of columbus and broadway which is like huge you know and had a jazz club and we were going great and then she did the after hours thing right there you know and of course the cops kind of like came to her and says you know honey you're gonna have to put that shit in coffee cups now you know right, right. and uh but and then she stopped doing the after hours thing because we'd moved into the 90s by then and people weren't hanging they like they used to mm-hmm. but she had this great jazz club and i was the house trio for tuesday wednesday thursday night and uh, all these, every musician who came into town would come, like, because we played late. They would all come after their gigs and sit in. We'd have these amazing jam sessions and parties. And it was just this great time in San Francisco. I was so grateful to be part of it. They had great bands on the weekends and stuff. Nice. And uh, it's closed down now. It closed in, like, 2004 or something. But she had her 88th birthday. Wow. And 88 is a real uh, big number to in the Chinese culture. The eights is a real thing. They, they go by, so this was a real big thing for her. And so they rented out this huge hall and had, um, and, and just it like had a sit down lunch and drinks and everything. And, and me and the guys, we were the house band again and we played and people sat in. It was a big jam session, just a great big party of all these people. You know, who I actually, like, I saw Calvin Keys and Eddie Duran. I don't know if you're those two guitar players, but Calvin, they're, look them up. They're great. And yeah. uh, Eddie's, like, in his 90s now. Wow. He's still and it was No, he's oh. not playing very much, I don't think. But uh, he's doing good, and it was great to see so many old friends. You know, man, they got old, though. Because um, I was the youngest guy back then. Right, so. yeah. Anyways, but back to my million-dollar idea. They're all talking about how San Francisco has gotten so weird because of the money, how expensive it is, and the tech thing, and rents are just through the roof. And there's so many people like living in their cars. Yeah, man. that's a thing. Like vans and really? cars and mobile home, motorhomes. People are parking on everybody's street. Oh yeah, and it's really pissing everybody off. Absolutely. You know, and um, so I came up with this idea. For and again, here I'm giving it to the world because I'm not going to do anything with it. <laughs> Airbnb for driveways. <laughs> no, so you can park oh, your car in my driveway. So now you're not on the street. The cops yeah. won't roust you. You're right. you're safe. Maybe for an extra buck or two, I'll get. I'll let you plug into my electricity or yeah, right. Whatever. Use the bathroom in the garage. What you know what I mean? We can work out all the accoutrements later but yeah. it's a basic airbnb scene although it's a place to park your car off the street wow is that not a million dollar idea it's an interesting idea man i mean i know they have uh, i can't remember the name of it but uh they've got some some app now that's it's, it's like a social connection for rental cars and rvs right and right i know my buddies just went on a tour and they rented an rv directly from the owner on some through some interface some app i don't know yeah so this is this is just kind of renting real estate but your real estate of your driveway yeah man I'm, you know this, I mean, you know what someone's gonna do it yeah. someone will but do i it. just want you to know i thought you of first. it yeah yeah i wonder if you can time sue co- once they've coded. done it you can sue them <laughs> well i pretty much said it here it's oh. you know whatever yeah it's on, you say, it's, if somebody who's listening does it think about me you do pay you just sign up for patreon there you, you go know. There we go. Anyways, um, I severely hijacked that discussion, didn't I? <laughs> it's all good. It was fascinating. I don't know how to come I back from. Can you imagine Airbnb. driving down and having like a, a bunch of like just people in the driveways of various like, streets that are just right doing and they're all out and everybody's making it. And I got to run to the store and there's pricks behind me. I mean, like, if, oh. if, if it's three grand for a one bedroom studio for a studio, then it's got to be like. Thirty bucks a night for your driveway. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean easily, right? Yeah. So like, dude, 
that's 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 <laughs> a feasible idea. That's you can probably put that two people work. in the driveway. Yeah. Charge them a little extra for a hookup, you know, like an extension cord. <laughs> Kyle, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, all right. dude. I'm gonna write that one down, buddy. Write okay. It down. okay. I know. I know a guy in Silicon Valley. If okay. that's where okay. shit's still happening. Right. Well, just don't, don't forget know. me. You know, yeah. it would be like the jerk, that guy with the, the glasses thing. You know, <laughs> found him and made him a millionaire. Yeah. Dude, so where you've been traveling? I've been traveling a lot this year, yeah. I mean, so not not a lot, but... You're out yeah. with Jason Mraz. I was out with, yeah, Mraz, and then Danielle and I did a tour in Germany. Right. And then uh, we've got a place in Nashville, and I've been doing a lot of improvements on that place uh, that this year. Beautiful. It's going well, yeah. That's really When nice we're not place. in town, we're doing the short-term thing, which is paying yeah. the bills and stuff. It's You renting out the driveway? <laughs> not yet, man. But now, man, I gotta actually, yeah, I got a motorized fence. I, they can have, you know, total privacy and all right. that. I could get extra money for that, baby. Do it, dude. <laughs> I see camper vans. First one's you. free. You can have it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks, man. <laughs> so that, yeah. Be, now be, going back before that, you were doing Annie DeFranco too. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, I worked with uh, Annie DeFranco for like four, four and a half years, roughly, and you know, teching for her. She. I mean, I'm primarily a guitar player, but um, because of my design background and everything, I knew I knew a, a cat that Danny worked with on this Jackson Brown tour years ago. Jackson yep. Brown, David Lindley. It was 2010 or so, and I met um, some of the, I met the crew guys and everything, and uh, had a guy um, Jason Kendall uh, I became friends with, and he called me out of the blue, and couldn't find uh, anybody to tech for. Ani and he was moving to Carlos Santana it was a big money shift for him so yep. he had to do that and and so I just started kind of a, I, I w- went out to him uh, in Vegas and uh, trained up with him for a day you know because she's got quite a complex <laughs> yeah. rig setup yeah, man it's, it's like, like it sounds like the worst guitar taking job in the world as in I mean, how he many said, tunings he, he called me and I, I had zero experience he said I can't find anybody you know because it's uh, she got up to 60 tunings when I was working with 60. her 60 yeah, which is crazy. I mean, you know, any given set is 90 minutes, 17 to 19 songs roughly for her. And I mean, sometimes it would be a different guitar with a different tuning for every friggin' song. It was it was nuts. Oh. Yeah, but it's yeah. still only 19. It's not yeah. 60. Yeah, at a, at, on a gig, yeah, of course. It's right. it, I mean, but it's but it's a, it's a lot of changeover. So you so know? you just got to have the set list. You got to hand her the guitar. Yeah. At the right time, in tune the right way. And you're probably, are you doing any like setup work and repairs while you're out there? Yeah. I mean, we we generally try to have everything set up and good to go so we don't have to deal with any like heavy, like nut replace, uh, you know, none of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah. So having said, like, you know, having everything set up and ready to go. It would be a, a matter of just you know walking down the the set list, walking through the set list, and she had like a really, really. It took years to sort of you know map out, and she so she would you know a, a normal piece of paper, write all the songs on one side, and then um, we had all the guitars numbered. <clears throat> she toured with about eleven or twelve, I think, at the time. Yeah, and there was seven on stage, and so. You know, backstage guitars. So I only really had to worry about six or seven on stage, and and like Bruce said, you know, seventeen to nineteen tunings. And sometimes it was an easy night. I would do fifteen or you know thirteen tunings or whatever. She would keep a a guitar in some particular setup and do a few tunes. But uh, yeah, it was an, it was it was an incredible experience. It was it was it was amazing to watch somebody that had no real theory. I mean, she took lessons and stuff. And, you know, and she just, in the beginning, I thought it had to do with fingerings. And so she was kind of just trying to use the same fingerings and get different sort of alterations and sounds out of them. But it really, the longer I worked with her, the more I started chatting with her about it. And and it had nothing to do with any of that. It was just like a creative thing. So she would just kind of start messing around with stuff. And and because she didn't really come from a theoretical place, she would just tune change the tunings and use her ears and to, just give different get, you know get wow. different sounds different and shit stuff. but yeah. it was still basically shape oriented memory 
she was she doing, was working I think she from. was doing a lot of you know like we have all these shapes in our heads and right. from chords and scales and patterns and all this stuff so i think on yeah on some but level I mean, that's she the had way reinforced, she navigated yeah but but to a certain extent and then and then it was kind of just like if if she liked something and it was in a particular tuning and it was new to her then she would like write it down and she would have her own sort of way of notating these things right and you know, not not like tab, but you know, she would yeah. write them out and yeah, do, do her own thing. Well, shapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. shapes. She's, and I mean, she's she's a serious badass player. I mean, she she's can, she's a badass all yeah, around. She's, she's a badass singer. She's a badass player. She's just ferocious. Yeah, and she's like five foot, <laughs> and just like just balls, man. And, Big and balls. She was she became really well known for like the chick that went out there and just made her own shit happen. Yeah, her own record label like. Did everything herself, right? She was one of the yeah. She was one of the one pioneers. Of pioneers of that. She's definitely one of the pioneers back in the '90s of the independent movement. Yeah. And she, you know, she had, <clears throat> she had some, some clout. She had a, a, you know, I think it was 32 flavors, and you know, and that that tune that uh, kind of started. It just basically uh, she had a lot of attention on her back back in the day, and just got a lot of offers and she said no i'm gonna do my own thing and wow. started her own just built the empire from there she's yeah. you know she bought a church in buffalo where she's from originally and then just like put her headquarters there turned it into a venue and yeah oh yeah all right how rude <laughs> man you just need to shut up um wow yeah, yeah. man Dude, so you and she was touring what festivals like she was doing all kinds everywhere? of uh, mainly theaters that, that when i when i started working with her she <clears throat> she was she used to tour in, in like just all the time it was crazy and and so i heard a lot of stories when i first came in but she she was doing she was going out every other month maybe yeah. uh you know m m when i first started and then it kind of started to taper off a little bit because she's got two kids and you know they started getting older and so she's dealing with you know just family life and yeah, stuff yeah. so it started to evolve and slow down a little bit but i was going out like four or five tours a, a year wow with her for about yeah. four years and you know it was cool and then the and then i just kind of needed to concentrate more on playing because it was taking over a yeah, lot right and so i i um, walked away from that and then um just been playing with danny and doing stuff like that and prior to that i did a lot of composing and stuff for television i kind of jumped around i mean as you know yeah. everybody knows you know as a musician you have to diversify <laughs> you <get laughs> nowadays you know except for I me mean, or or just stay <laughs> or, the path like this man like over here two five one and not give a shit <laughs> <laughs> and just become such a ridiculous badass at the one well. thing but i just yeah I, i've you know I just kind of spread out so much because of my design things and, and everything that I also do. I, I mean, that was initially why Jason called me because he's like, I know you build, I know you, you know, you have an understanding of all this, and so it was so cool. So your thing with Jason, what's that kind? Of, what, what's that job like? Jason, Jason was cool. I got a, um, a buddy of mine, uh, Andre De Santana. He's a great bass player and producer, and, and uh, Danielle, um, uh, he, he co-produced uh, her last record and. It's a fantastic player. So um, we're good friends, and he called me up, and they were looking for a tech, and I had kind of not been doing it since since Ani. Yeah. And um, it had been a while. I mean, granted, it was, like, just a, a far <laughs> easier setup, you know, a couple of guitars, standard tuning. Were you falling like, asleep at the gig? Like, oh, I need more tunings? So. You probably just, like, snuck in and played a little bit when they didn't notice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was, you know, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's it, a breeze. It, yeah, I mean, in comparison, it was... It, it was and uh, it, super, super positive. I mean, both both environments were incredibly positive. Jason, Jason Mraz is a totally different beast. I mean, he's on the complete other side of the spectrum not as far as his like take on life and everything but uh just as far as the his <laughs> the status of, yeah. of the music and the the pop world in comparison to the folk world and you know and what where ani's from but uh yeah mraz is an incredible work like he's a hard-working dude yeah and um and he's there's been a lot of sort of recent shifts that you know it's none of my business but in his world and so i came in and and i did a two-month tour with uh with them 
of North America, and it, it was a lot of fun, man. And uh, and I was working with Molly Miller, who's you know we had you Molly guys on the know show. very well. Yeah, yeah. And um, and Andre directly, and then this last tour uh, we did was in uh, throughout Asia, who's where he's massive in Asia. Really? Yeah, we were doing like stadiums and arenas and things like that. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. A totally different scene, you know. I mean, the arenas are. Playing theaters and playing arenas, uh, and uh, a What's lot of the people difference? may know. Well, probably I mean, have from, the size. From, from your point of view. No, I mean, I, I know there's from like a only 100,000 people. Yeah, I know yeah. That. I mean, from Save a logistical me, yeah. standpoint, it's, you know, it's... No, from your physical standpoint, from what your job is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, generally, over in Asia, it was, it, it was a breeze, man, because they have like 150 dudes out there just like ready to push cases and... They were was, organized, right? There was a there. There was obviously a, a language gap, a barrier, but <clears throat> you know, we we kind of just used a lot of hand signals, and there was yeah. usually a translator there with us, and it was it was it was all great. It was super smooth, but um, on a level like that, there's uh, you you have it a little bit easier, man. Yeah. Especially, I mean, just the gig itself um, as a whole is is just simpler and easier. Uh, and really? It, because there's a lot more, there's a lot more hands on uh, support. Yeah, there's a lot more support basically. You know, I mean, as uh, the thing about Ani is, is I was kind of, I came in when she's she was she's like settling down into you know her life now. Yeah. Off yeah. the road, I think a little bit more, and yeah. and so it was it was slowing down as I was you know the time was passing. So he's you know he's still got a lot going on. Uh, and and you know he's got back and we had he was flying the pa every day he was flying the lighting every day wow. i mean two semis he was flying was, every day we had two semis traveling with us and one was like the lighting rig and one was like the pa oh, and the back line okay rig. so you bring your own even to a to a every theater yeah, that you well, don't use there yeah we did the, i mean the, the tour I that mean, i did to an arena, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. bring your own lights to the arena. Not, generally speaking, yes. He would. He he was doing things like that. But the tour that I did um, is the only one I can reference. Uh, it, the U.S. tour we did, it was we had everything, everything we brought with us every day. And then in Asia, there was a lot of backline stuff, but we did right. have the, the all of the main gear that the band was using was was all our own stuff that yeah. we brought over, and yeah. Yeah, so. and and is there usually a day off between shows? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Ani, we would go pretty hard, and uh, but she, from a singing standpoint, couldn't go any more than three gigs. So, right. which is is three nice. in it's a row. Three in a row. That's pretty. So we would do three, and then a day off. Two, two or three in a day off. Yeah. You know, or and most two days off. You know, because of scheduling or whatever. And Jason was a sim similar thing. I think the... So you do back-to-back, back, setting four. up all that shit? Oh, yeah. So, like, you'd, you'd be done with the show, you'd have strike. Uh-huh. You know, you're done striking by, let's say, 2, 3 in the morning. Well, see, Ani was a three-piece, so that was, that was pretty streamlined. I mean, there was a lot more pushing involved and stuff, because... Lower, you know, lower on the totem pole, less stage. Yeah, hands but I'm talking like more that. the arena thing. With on the Jason. arena level, we got it down to. Oh man, I'm trying to remember the exact. It we it was probably just over an hour, if not inside an hour. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, but it, but in the, the beginning lights, of the tour, it was. The no, lights on, and on, the scaffolding on our end. On yeah. our end. Okay. So 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 think about like. A typical day with with him would start at around 8 a.m. Right. And the lighting guys would come in. They would build the whole thing. They'd build the truss and get the scaffold, all that shit, and then fly all the lighting and then, and, you know, rig it up, hoist it, do all that stuff. And then we would generally come in around 9 or 10, and, you know, they'd still be going, but they'd be in a p good enough position where we could start, you know, doing, doing our stuff around them. Yeah. And just working in ten. I mean, it was. It's totally. The one of the most important things is cooperation, obviously. Yeah. So there's a lot of you know, Damn. radio work and communicating with the dudes uh -huh. up here and over here and whatever. And uh -huh. yeah, so it was a lot. I mean, for, for then, 
Yeah, you're saying it, super long days, but you have like an incredible amount of like downtime, downtime where you're in between, in right? between where yeah. you you know you're just kind of like twiddling your thumbs and or changing strings or doing whatever you got to do. But you don't get the you don't get to take off and just disappear in that downtime that much. Or I, it all depends. It all depends right. on it. I mean, Jason was a bit easier. Obviously, I mean, I could yeah. set everything up. It wasn't. Uh, he's. I, I think the last tour in Asia, I I didn't change the strings at all with him. Yeah. And he's playing nylon and a steel string acoustic. Right. And so he's got such a soft touch that it's, he didn't, uh, right. I didn't need to. Yeah. And with Ani, I'm changing strings. Uh, until I started going with the nickel bronze that you're using yeah. now, the Diodario. Yep. I got her to switch to those because, you know, after I started doing research and trying them myself, they're just some of the best strings out there, I think. Uh, she started using them, and he's, he's using the NYXLs, I think, or, excuse me. He's got the nylon. He's using Diodario, nylon, right. whatever, whatever. But yeah. they're they're just really great. And, you know, with such a light touch, he I didn't have to worry about it. She, on the other hand, I could, I was having to change strings every friggin' day, every gig. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know? And so, and... On how many guitars? Because she's, and she's got the acrylics, you know, her nails. And oh, she's wow. set, and she's just got such an incredible, like... She's very aggressive. Hard, aggressive uh, approach. Um, yes, yeah, um, she had one, two, three, three, um, six string, just standard acoustics, you know, uh, and like a little baby, uh, acoustic and then a tenor four string and then a baritone Yeah. and just back up for whatever. And, um, yeah, so we would, I would switch between her main guitars, which is like one, two and three. And then, um, it was... Oh yeah, to get back to the set list, which was quite fascinating. It took me a minute to figure this out. So she would write all the all all the uh, song tunes down, and with a little dash, then she would put the number of the guitar that oh, she guitar. wanted. All right. of them were numbered, yep. and then with a little dash, and then and then leave me enough space to to do all my notes and stuff. And then you know, and after oh, quite some time, you know, it's just muscle memory, and I started just memorizing the tunings and stuff. But I would still draw my roadmap out because. It's just too much, too many yeah, variables. Too much. I mean, it's like you know, oh what, oh shit. Uh, did it, you did you have one of those moments? I, only in the beginning, a couple of times, and then I was so fucking diligent about like not fucking up yeah. that you know it was just so it only a couple of times where it, because honestly, some of her shit, some of it would be like, for instance, I think it was F A D G A C was one of her tunings, and so. And because she hit so hard, I'd have to tune that bottom F down probably like, like, 0.7 cents roughly, like just just a little bit extra, not even a full half tone, just somewhere in there. And I'd have to like, be on the sidelines trying to listen, yeah, through cans or whatever, and and just, and then I had my Peterson obviously tuner, and then I would hit it, and then try to just hit it as hard as I could. And so I would get it as close to in tune as possible and then just kind of just let it settle for a minute and then just try to balance wow. that shit and then throw it to her and then hope for the best. Right. And it was, we got, we had this nice like balancing act between her and I. And then once it took me a minute to figure out how fucking hard she was actually plucking yeah. at this, these strings and stuff. And so it was. So you're kind of tuning it a little out of tune to adjust for her playing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of, especially on these. She had other tunings that was like, you know, all the way tuned down to C on standard, you wow. know, strings and, yeah. you know, and so I would really have to kind of like find the sweet spot. And these guitars were and sitting in those tunings all the time, I guess, right? No, they'd be sitting and uh, I would generally keep them in standard tuning and unless there was particular guitars where she was starting to play like the same tunes a lot right for the for the sets oh wow i would I, yeah no man it was so how were the guitars reacting they were, were they? react it was it's amazing how they i mean i started i was watching i was taking care of the humidity i was doing all this crap we didn't have we didn't have vaults at the time where they were just in in you know open vaults uh, yep. uh, like they are now. We had you know everything had to go into cases at night and then oh, throw. It. So that was another headache for that one. But the, again, smaller setup, three piece. Yeah. But it was a lot of work. But I had you just did, you were just doing her. Were you doing the other instruments? No, man, I couldn't. Like no, no, I was only <laughs> doing possible. her. I mean, I would get her set up. Once I got the setup down, it was happening. I was able to get it 
pretty quick and then i would spill over and help you know you, monitor dude and front of house guy it was just like three three of us there wasn't any massive uh-oh i've just given a guitar five when she wanted guitar four or any of that oh man yeah of course <laughs> a, a couple of uh, i want to yeah. hear about that no there's a couple of times <laughs> and she's an intense lady i mean she's she's a badass she's a sweetheart but like I, you don't want to cross her you know yeah, and right. so and i and 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 of course i had heard all these insane stories but i but by the time I got there, she had mellowed out, and right. she had zenned out a bit. She would, she's, you know, she's, she was just super mellow when I got there. You oh, know? so the earlier days she and wasn't so. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Now <laughs> I heard stories from the front of house guy. He was the sixth dude that they went, that they, that they flew out in the middle of a tour. She almost canceled the whole tour. Wow. Because she's, yeah, I mean, we can. She's a, she's a beast. She she's she her ears are fucking crazy tuned to the yeah. point where she she'll pull out like she's like that one twenty five is is a little bit rough and can you tweak that and then the, her interaction between the front of house and the monitor guy because we would we had these full range L acoustics with eighteen inch subwoofers yep. were her side fills wow. so when she just like rested her hand on the acoustic it would like smack you in the chest it was just so like because she's so rhythmic isn't she yeah it's all yeah. it's very percussive and yeah. there's a lot of and i mean it's with a three-piece she's got like a lot of shit going on with yeah. just her and her acoustic you know with rhythmically and all that so yeah but and i mean one time early on i i, I threw her a guitar and i think one string was out <laughs> And and it was just like she kept playing through, and there was obviously like one note when she would go there every time that was oh. out, and she was like, "What the fuck?" And then uh, like the look she gave me was <laughs> it just like cut right through me. I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit! All right, I mean, I'll be here tomorrow." I mean, she she was cool about it, but yep. and then that actually happened again, but I didn't fuck up. I was I was on it. I was so sure because I was just not i didn't want to fuck up that yeah. bad i was uh, i didn't want that cutting look again so i <laughs> i i was so diligent about my end of it and uh one time she thought she thought i had fucked up again and she shot me the look and i was like that was it wasn't me I didn't know. <laughs> and i can't remember exactly what it was if something happened but afterwards she was like oh yeah sorry man no, i thought that was you know and it was There's cool. nothing worse in a high i know stress yeah situation like that totally yeah but she's she was super mellow i mean uh, very approachable obviously yeah. i mean it was like we were we became a family it was yeah. it was not the easiest thing for me to leave but it just it just got to that point so that's that's pretty awesome when you get to that point obviously yeah. you were doing an amazing job and she loved you being there so that's really cool it was fun i mean it's slow it, it eased into it i was subbing for a long time where, where right. jason kendall was coming in and out from santana and then and then eventually he just what you know what was he doing in santana was he giving you stories of that Man, Santana, I can't even imagine. I got when I went there, he was playing at the Luxor and had the residency and I mean Santana's just fucking two hundred watt amps, just uh, he had yeah. like five or six at the time <clears throat> on the sidelines, just heads, and then he would he was running separate cabs and like so the the tech for that was just like running you know because he would he was running switchers basically right because sometimes for certain songs i guess he was running this head with that cab or this head with that cab and so that is like, he he's he's got hearing problems right oh yeah i would imagine man like it's Have so excruciatingly his, loud is it that master class thing where he does switch i haven't just, seen that but it's, it's fucking hilarious but you can just tell the amp was so loud in the room the, the whole crew and that must be dying and it's not great tone it doesn't like you know. Oh. Hey, wait till we get Carlos on the show. You tell him. That. I'm gonna yeah. tell him. I'll tell him. <laughs> hey, Carlos. Hey, buddy. Yeah, but um, back a little bit. You know, yeah, you can get that loud. sound with less wattage nowadays. <laughs> you can turn down, motherfucker. Yeah. But um, oh, good for him that he's someone. Well, if your if your hearing's oh, going, you need that loud yeah, just right. to hear it. Like, yeah, truly. And and it's not just hearing it. It's feeling. It's feeling it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's like when the sound just sort of picks you up. It holds mm -hmm. you in the air. He's There's no feeling like that in the no. world, mm -hmm. and even I've experienced. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Of course, I played arenas, and you know, like all of a sudden, you hit a note, and you're as big as a house. Yeah, yeah. Even with my sad ass jazz tone, <laughs> I hit the note, and I'm as big as a fucking house. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's this pretty is gonna be stuff. easy. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's that's the first thing I say to myself. This is gonna be easy. Good stuff. I mean, the, the thing about the arena stadium stuff, I, I, I think a lot of people struggle with it. I, I, 
I haven't physically played, you know, in in a in a space like that. But um, yeah, what I hear is is that everybody likes the smaller rooms. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's very very difficult to play in an it's arena very or a stadium. Connected to exactly when we yeah. played arenas, it was all. The, I used to love it when the crowd was right off stage, like yeah. their, their hands were on stage, like right there. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the shows we did, they'd have twenty, thirty. 40 feet and then barriers and then the crowd and it's you felt like you're playing totally. behind a big glass bubble and it you felt so disconnected i didn't like that no you know? but when they're right on you that was super cool it's like oh this yeah. is amazing yeah i mean there's obviously a threshold when it becomes you know it starts to become intimate and then you know obviously and all of us our nerves just come up a little bit more when when there's you know five or ten people in the room yeah. and and granted that's when some of the best shit happens when you yeah. can kind of just go, yeah, like it doesn't matter how many people are here. Let's just have some fun. But in an, in an arena stage, all of I saw all of everybody having issues at, at one point or another. I mean, they, they have to rely on their in ears. Yeah. And if you have, I mean, that's why you're they're spending crazy money on. I mean, some of these dudes are getting hooked up, but yeah, you know, uh, these drivers, like eight drivers in your ear, in ears and whatnot, and because they're you know yeah. trying to isolate all those frequencies and really give you like the most incredible mix you can you can have, and and so that reliability, like that daily sort of mix, like you know, you just have to tweak a couple of things, and you might have to just kind of tighten it up a little bit because certain some of these rooms were so big that they their natural reverb would you know sort of wash out over yeah. onto the other microphones yeah. and, and so your mix even because i would switch between jason's mix and andre's mix and molly or whoever and um it, it was it was crazy so you you had to make subtle tweaks every day depending on the room but if you if you were not in that and just like like what, what i just saw with clapton in vegas I mean, he's old school. He was, they were all in monitors, yeah. which I, I prefer personally. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, there, there's also, you talked about a disconnect with, with the spacing of the audience. That's a disconnect to in me is, too. Oh, that's totally, totally synthetic. And the interaction of there the musicians. No, no, if if yeah. I'm not like, headphones, man, that's, I know headphones yeah. is what it well, is. And so it's really so good at blocking everything out. And we were doing it when it was sort of, it was in, but it was just coming in. And, yeah. And I'm sure it's way better now. Technology is crazy it was now. Like it was, you're in a stadium full of thousands, and that, and it's you can you can't hear a thing when everything stops. Yeah, it's dead quiet, and you're standing there, and it's it's so weird. Yeah, yeah, you because know, we didn't have the crowd microphones and all that kind of shit. And, yeah, and they know. would go back and forth between that. Some rooms would be, you know. It's, I don't need this extra, you know, room mic, and it's it's bleeding over too much. It's too washy, and yep. then you know, and then they would remove the room mics and then it would ch totally change the dynamic again because i mean really all of those elements when you're like in your head with these cans you know, or drivers it's it all counts you know yeah so i would get my buddy's mix who's you know engineer and producer and he like spent a lot of time with the monitor guy tweaking his sound and i you know his his was a great mix and i would be able to i'd have to bounce between all these guys on my pack right whoever i was taking care of but um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's quite an experience. I I personally think that there's a lot. Like, I know of a lot of artists that do theaters, but they'll do three nights or two nights completely sold out, or five nights or whatever right. it is, because they prefer to play those smaller places. Yeah, set up, get it all dialed in, dialed in, and then just you know have fun, have the people come. Yeah, it's like yeah. the Vegas thing. I was just in Vegas for Clapton. It's crazy how many people. I haven't been to Vegas in so long. Where did just where was passing it? through for shows, but like actually, uh, it was at the uh, T-Mobile Arena. Oh, okay, yeah. Which was I? Did, I mean, I don't even think it T-Mobile Arena was there last time I was there. So. Right. Um, but it was a trip, man. Jump, like all kinds of people from all kind uh, all across the board. Pop acts. Yeah. And it's. I mean, I f I figure if they're in California or if they're in the Los Angeles area, it's like an easy gig. Yeah. They get a residency there, yeah. forty-five minute flight back and forth. Easy. I mean, yeah. And as these guys are getting older, it's they want it easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like the Santana thing. My buddy was the shittiest part about that is that you're living in Vegas. You know, I mean, uh, for yeah. eight nine months out of the year or whatever yeah. it is. is which he, is, did he move there? He just moved. 
produced. I mean, Santana, I'm sure he had a place or something. Right. He did the residency for so long. Santana probably had a private jet. He probably just went home and flew to, flew to Marin County every Yeah, day. or, I mean, I know a lot of these guys, they get... They just have like a suite or something that's yeah. like, especially with the residencies, it's like, oh, but there's you, your setup. But your guitar tech, the guy teching for him, did he move there? Or? No, he lived in a, in the Luxor, in a hotel room oh. for like eight, <laughs> nine months at a time or whatever. Okay. It was, I mean, it would have been kind of hard. It would have been very hard, I would imagine. Did you? Yeah, yeah right. What, what's so hard? No, I'm saying like, dude, Dave, dude, come on. Dude, <laughs> he could have rented, rented my driveway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did you coming off coming off the road? It, like I, it just it always is a balancing act to come off the road and jump back into normal life, and then go back out and then go back. Oh yeah, man! I call the, it I call it reentry. Reentry. How was your when reentry? You back, Did that fuck with you a bit? It always fucked with yeah. me. Yeah, really. I mean, I got used to it. Um, the hard the hardest part is just switching back into like reality, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, because you're going out on. And even with Ani and stuff, it, it, all of, all of my touring experiences has been super positive, and it's and and you're you get so much great energy from all of it, the travel, the people, and everything, and then and you know you, I usually pay my bills before I leave, and I just cover my shit and make sure yep. it's like you know, and then I'm not thinking about that crap, right? And then you come back and it just smacks you all in the face, and you have to like. You know, the last week when I know, like, in the last few days, I'm, I'll am i be back on Monday or whatever it is. I got to, like, start easing back into, like, the mindset of, you know, okay, you know, yeah. the power bills do or whatever yeah. and the carpet, whatever it is, you know. And, and, and then it would always take a week or so easily, sometimes more, yeah. for me to really kind of be like, all right, cool, I'm back in the swing of things. And, you know. And then you just get back into it and then, oh, fuck, I got to go out again. Yeah, the Ani <laughs> thing threw me for a while, so that's why one of the reasons, I mean, it's it, like I said, it started to slow down towards the end, uh, but it was it was just, it was happening enough, she was going out just enough for me to kind of not be able to get, like, the swing back on right. for myself, yep. and so it was, it just felt like I was giving too much over at that point, so yep. that's what, you know, led me to walk, but, yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of guys that are out in the road all the time, and for them to come back to a normal life now is just that's that's not doable. Like, oh yeah, wrecked marriages, wrecked relationships. I mean, they're out in yeah. the road, and they that's it now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fortunately, at my my relationship with Danny is great, and we've been together for twelve years now. So when you're married, I, I had this conversation with with most of the band uh, this last tour. And most of them are single, and uh, you know they had been married. A couple of them been been married, now divorced, whatever the situation. Yep. But uh, yeah, we we talked about how hard it is to you know how much of a compromise, and and how much you have to just like give over to the other person, and yeah. just understand, hey, like this is, I'm all in on this. So and there, and a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. It's yeah. you, you. It takes a lot of dedication, you know. Yeah. Like I have to think about, you know. You're married. You know how it is. You, you know, we're we're all married, and so it's like you have to think about the other person. I can't just think about my guitar or like my whatever I'm tweaking or whatever I'm working on gear wise or whatever it is. Yeah, this got to be balanced. Yeah. And so yeah, a lot of dudes can't do it, and and i mean even these they're getting closer to 40 now some of some of my buddies and they're and they're guys and girls and they're like yeah i mean they they, they find it very hard to balance because we're basically most of us are obsessed about all of this stuff so it's very obsessive our yeah, behavior with yeah. all of this and then and then you if you can, you don't get the right person that enters into that world that can kind of like realize and accept it's all about acceptance really you know life in general but you know it's it's really hard yeah yeah if and if they don't really understand i mean even (laughs) as a guitar player danny you know after years of working with bruce and mark goldenberg and me and whoever um has such a greater appreciation for guitar and guitar Mm. players and and the complexity of it all and stuff like that because guitar is one of those things where it's you know like rock and roll and punk rock and all this other stuff it's fucking fantastic but it's it's laid you know, as you know, the the pathway for for the assumption of like, oh yeah, it's an easy thing. You know, it's an easy instrument to just pick up and bang out. 
some chords and shit, and you know, it all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But but yeah, it is. It it's is. Not, it's <laughs> not going down that rabbit hole. And yeah, that's it, right? Exactly. It's like for for Bruce and and me and a lot and all of us, it's it's like a lifelong fucking journey. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like I got my guitar and I got my girl and like you know, sort of. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You got to pick one or the other, and most yeah. of the time, people are picking their <laughs> instrument <laughs> in the road. Well, Bruce, you, know? you go—I th- know you go through that where you, d- when you're not traveling, you want to be traveling, and then when you're traveling a shitload, you're like, God, I need to break, and yeah, it's yeah. back and forth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a love-hate thing, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you want to play all the time because that's where you know it's it's what you're there, that's what you work for, but you know it, you know you. When you're playing and you're on the road, you're only playing three, maybe if you're lucky, maybe six hours, five hours of the day. There's 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those other hours are filled with travel, which is airports and car trips and... uh, or just waiting for something to happen. (laughs) Yes, a lot of waiting. and, And so there's that. But there's no real place to really play the music on, with the intensity and the intention and the integrity and the level that you you need to play unless you're on the road. That's you know, or you mean it's really hard to be doing that at home. Yeah. You know, it's you can do it in some cases, but you have to really be diligent to bring that yourself, because the situation doesn't necessarily demand it of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, obviously, I am very much that way. I go into every gig, and it's like, it's my biggest gig ever. It's my last gig ever. It's my favorite gig ever. You know, that's my plan. Yeah, walking in. Yeah, and uh, because I love playing so much. But you, it's 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 just a part of who you are now too. So you couldn't. That'd be a massive problem to stop. It would it would be tough, yeah. but I'd find something else to do. Yeah, you know, I mean, if 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 I you know if I lost a couple hands or something, you know, you'd be, or if my ears went out or whatever, <laughs> I'd I'd find something else to do that I've, is creative. Yeah, and I'd do it. You know, I mean, I'd be I wouldn't tell you I'd be happy about it, but yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's just what it is. I just know? wouldn't shake your hand. Well, I wouldn't have any. <laughs> Yeah, now, you, but would you help me pee? He's not that good a friend after all. <laughs> I just thought I had that picture in my head. I, I probably uh, got a visual. I turn away. I have to turn <laughs> you my see, head. Dude, you, you, there, there were so many possibilities there. You could have said, well, I need to get a magnifying glass. You know, come on, man. <laughs> Well, the good friend I am, Bruce, I went straight to the power of the, okay. the emotion and thought, okay. oh, fuck, would I? <laughs> now, you, besides all this, all the, the, the teching, the touring and that, and, you know, you, you, you play as well, and, but you're also working with Black Vault amplifiers. Yeah. Who we're going to get Geo on the show. Yeah, man. Geo Loria is the... Very he's exciting a stuff. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and... and I don't know when that's going to happen, but soon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've been working with Black Vault um, most of this year, uh, in and out, with touring and stuff. I think uh, the, the end of last December, early January this year uh, started. And I, I kind of ran into Geo throughout the years, and you know, just just uh, out and about. And, um, and ran into him last year, and he... Uh, he's got a new shop in Boyle Heights, and he's been doing Blackfold for the past five, six years, and uh, makes these incredible p- um, amps and pedals and whatnot. And so he's uh, he's got the spot in Boyle Heights now. He's expanding a little bit, and he needed uh, somebody to come in and help him with the carpentry and some yep. stuff. And I've been sort of starting to you know get in with design and 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 whatnot. And yeah, so I have a I have a carpentry background and design background just from uh, necessity really when I was a kid I got into all of that and you know I started putting my money into buying tools and wood instead of furniture and you know yeah so that just kind of went from there but uh yeah man uh, I I started making cabs for him he does the, the, the amps are all reclaimed wood it's 
at least I think the I think it's at least 50 years, 60 years old, all the way to like 150 year old wood yeah. in, in that range. Yeah, and uh, it comes from all over the place, and so um, it's quite quite an interesting experience to take all this raw wood that's all warped and, and you know I mean and sort of. Shape it into submit. I mean, we don't we don't want to plane everything down and make it perfect and stuff because it's it's part of the aesthetic as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes I'll have to like plane things down on the inside and kind of like you know get some cupping out and whatever and and uh, and and then we use spline joints with solid oak which runs all the way through the miter. I you know I might lose some people on this one, but um, and it's an incredibly super strong cab, all you know wood just clear coated. And and then uh, we use um, vintage Moroccan, well, mainly uh, Native American rugs, vintage Native American rugs and Moroccan rugs. And Gio's just like a connoisseur of the shit. He's, oh, really? He's like a massive estate sale, you know, hunter. And, wow. And he goes out all the time and he's just hunts for these vintage don't handmade these rugs, rugs and sort of muffle the speaker yeah sometimes he'll, he he has to just stretch we you know stretch it a bit open it up and if it's too thick and because the, there's a lot of customer requests where they want a specific thing and the fabric's too thick so you know? do you like uh, and then break we it down yeah, or yeah. whatever like steel wool or something yeah or? a little bit break it down and it's and then if it's too thick he also will like strategically cut holes into it depending on the design uh, that's happening on the rug because it's not just a clean, you know, stock standard grill cloth like you're used to seeing. Right. Uh, and and then he'll back it with like a very light mesh, just oh, so wow. that it so that it keeps oh. its rigidity. Yeah. But it lets more air through. But a lot of times, it's it's also sometimes he'll voice because he's he's got a stat. I mean, when when you guys have him in, he'll give you all of this info. But. Um, He's he's also a speaker dealer, so we've just got a shitload of speakers on hand, and right. and so he kind of just picks and chooses and voices each one, each one of them is tailored to yeah. to whatever the customer wants, and then obviously, you know what it needs to sound like to him before it goes out, and um, yeah, it's cool, man. I like for instance, mine is a is old redwood. I was starting to tell you. And redwood's softer. It's 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 you know quote unquote warmer uh sounding you know resonance and and so i paired that with a like a brighter uh neodymium cream back and it's just glorious man Sounds you know awesome. so we do sometimes it'll be like a like a vintage pine body and or a cab and you know and then it'll, it'll uh, jensen will go in there or right. it's like it's, it's all various mixed match mix of, and match tubes all, are all mixed and match and everything We'll get into that. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure with him deeper. But when we ran into you guys at Nam, and out of everything I saw at Nam, this is, this is the shit that blew me away. I was like, oh yeah. man, I can get into this. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the guy, a lot of people are are taken by the aesthetics initially, and well, the aesthetics are a huge driving factor. Yeah, right? it is. And, and I mean, not absolutely just, not just the cabs, which yeah. you know are beautiful, and the grill cloths, which are beautiful, but also the aesthetics of the actual amp itself. Yeah. And the you know I mean it's definitely a selling point. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. it's beautiful. I mean there's nothing wrong with it. He's I mean, doing something it, different. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, it reminds me of like if Sons of Anarchy were making amplifiers. <laughs> right that's, on. that's kind of the vibe I yeah, get from. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, just bare bones, down and dirty. Let's crank it. Yeah, I mean which, he's really you know he's he's designed an incredible amp. It's re- I mean he's got variances on it now, um, and it's. He's he, he doesn't like bells and whistles. Is there's no tremolo, there's no reverb. I yep. mean, it's basically like the starting point is is like a five y three circuit, you know, and um, and then he just takes it from there, and beefs everything up to the point where it's like just military grade, obviously. And then right. and and I don't know how he gets the damn thing so quiet, because like I was telling you, I I usually just crank the thing and then use my volume on my guitar and stuff, and it, I can't do that with any other amp. And yeah. I mean, you know, that I own at least. Gets noisy. Right? Yeah, it's just you know the noise floor is just massive. So that pedal sounded. That's that's cool. That's, I remember hearing that at, at Nam as yeah. well. That's the other thing. I mean, and he he's using amp 
quality components in the pedals too i mean yeah. they're all huge caps and everything so it's there's something to be said about that i mean granted this is a wormhole too that i don't know if we want to get into right now but yeah. uh, you know there's there's something to be said about the circus mount, mount stuff as opposed to the point to point and all yeah. that other but I myself have, have A-B'd stuff and seen and heard a things A-B'd that were circus mounted and 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 it's if the circuit's built correctly, you can get away with it. Right. I don't know enough about it though to right. to to go that deep into it. I just know what he's doing is phenomenal. It's working. And I've never actually played a pedal this particular FDR pedal or an amplifier that had that. At, at the size of the cab wasn't boxy mm. sounding you know yep. it's one of the most open sounding amps and i, I mean it's got to have something to do with what he's doing electronically yeah i mean i know uh, you know bruce's experience with the uh, amplifiers and stuff like that is it, i mean the, the to have the punch like you know to just want to go direct that's the thing yeah to just want to go direct like like bruce does straight is, into it, the amp is incredible to me like i i'm always like i i started in blues hendrix was my you know yeah first sort of god and you know and and it's segued into all this other stuff and i can't call myself a jazz player but i love it and i study it and i play it as much best i can but you know so a lot of us rely on pedals and shit and 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 for various sounds and whatever whatever uh, but I'm just trying in my older age to get as far away from all that as possible. Mm -hmm. I saw Clapton. I've seen Bruce. Bruce plays with Danny all the time. And everything that he does sounds fucking incredible. And he's just yeah. going direct. Direct, yeah. So that's, it, for me, this this particular amp is the first one that I've been able to go, like, be floored by when I just go direct. And I don't want to use anything yeah. else. You but know, take maybe Bruce, some tremolo. Take Bruce's hands away. How good would you be then? Again. Right? Yeah, How right. good would yeah, you right, be, Bruce? Right, you know, well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure I'm as good as you think I am anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they sound great. I'm super excited to go to the, the factory and check this all out. Yeah, man. Geo, man, and, and, and do all that. Totally. So, so how was the European tour with you and Danny? Like, it's really, a lot of fun? It's a lot of fun, man. You took the... The Black Vault, too, I actually right? took that. We just finished you it. You took the amp with you? I took the amp, man. Holy shit. Right? It was a lot You're of fun. a god. You're a rock star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was... I probably... I Did don't you put know your clothes it. inside it? Uh, on the way back, yeah, man. Yeah, you used it as a suitcase, didn't oh, yeah. you? Okay. Well, yeah. he ships... Did the you have to check it? Oh, yeah. The way that he ships these amps oh, yeah? is... is, is um, he's got these heavy-duty cardboard boxes, and he uses those foam block things and whatever, yep. and it's, like, suspended in, like, this, you know, very rigid box. Right. And I've shipped a bunch, like, helping him ship these things, you know. And so we just did that. I got this so you studio that on slip an airplane uh, custom-made like thing, which is, which is, like, a really nice padded thing. Check them out. Studio slips is great. Um, and, and then I, so I put it in the gig bag, and then I put it in the box, and, and then just wrapped it up so it was kind of suspended in this little yeah. foam thing. And it made it, man, of it. Uh, TSA opened it up because I put a shock sensor in there. You know those Diodario? They, uh, Diodario makes these little sensors that you can put in your gig bags and whatnot that um, they monitor humidity and they also monitor G-force. Really? Yeah. So I didn't know that. That's cool. They're really great. I'll show you. Um, so did Diodario makes them? Uh, what's that? Diodario makes them? Diodario makes them, yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, like I'll I have one in my, in my gig bag. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a little sensor. And it's got an app, and you just throw it in your gig bag or your amp. So I, I, I wanted to find out if, it, you know, if somebody was going to give it like 12, 15 Gs or something and just check this thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that was my mistake because the whole thing is, is as it is. I mean, when you scan the thing, it's electronics, but there's no batteries in it and whatnot. Right. And they actually opened the whole damn thing up. Oh, because of the one watch battery that was in that sensor. Oh, you're fucking joking. Yeah, so, um, I mean, nothing happened to it, fortunately. <sighs> and they put it all back together. Yeah. On the way back, I um, I put a bunch of my clothes on the in all the empty space in the box and obviously didn't put that sensor back in, and they didn't even touch it right. on the way back. Damn. I mean, I had... I, it was It was quite... It was a little bit stressful because it was brand new. Yeah. And it was in a cardboard box. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would recommend it, but um, <laughs> it survived. 
Damn. And it was it was a it was an absolute blast to have it because what the alternative would have been in some venues was pretty pretty bad pretty bad so yeah. and wow. you know and and everybody the response was was crazy not only because of the the aesthetic but they, the sound is really it's Bright where setting. it's at man yeah yeah it really sounds fantastic so like i said i don't know if i'll do it again i i'd like to you know but um i mean the muse jumping on the yeah they used it on their last record uh and i mean geo knows uh offhand uh, all everybody that's that's getting in there but uh you know billy gibbons is interested from um zz top and joe perry has had one and and you know all these cats are a lot of dudes are using them in the studios and some dudes are taking them out Thank you. 